Welcome back to Redefine Relentless. We have recently rebranded from the Relentless College Entrepreneur Podcast to now Redefine Relentless Podcast. It's much easier to say, it's kind of a tongue twister to say the Relentless College Entrepreneur, uh, but I've gotten used to it. So what are we gonna be talking about today? We're gonna be talking about Elon Musk's story from a book that I read a while ago and I did one of my first podcast episodes. I think it was the fourth one. Uh, This one's called Elon Musk by Ashley Vince. Uh, or Vance, sorry. And I also just watched uh, the Full Send podcast with Elon Musk on it. It was very interesting, which got me thinking. And I listened to my old episode. I'm like, it was 40 minutes long, pretty long. I know I can shorten that with my skills that I have now, make it a lot more condensed. And you can understand Elon Musk's story. But along the way, we all understand like um, these little unique trips, uh, trips or tricks and tips along the way as well at the at the end I have some side notes that I'm going to talk about like there's an interesting question so uh, hold off to the end when uh, he was asked on the full send podcast what's the best thing you can do with your brain to help it uh, to memorize things or whatever you may and uh, I'll give you the answer so hang on uh, as a uh, cliffhanger at the beginning but let's jump into the podcast this is a season or not season it's episode 80 so at the beginning of Elon Musk's story, he was born in South Africa. He was not a, in the United States, which uh, a lot of people don't know. It's very interesting to find out that he wasn't until later a U.S. citizen. So he was bully growing up, and the reason I say that is given has given him a lot of the mental strength and because um, like they were really bad to him. It wasn't just name calling. It was like beating his face into a sidewalk, punching him. Uh, he was kind of a nerd. He'd read a lot. Uh, he was with on computers a lot and trying to understand them at a young age. So, which pulls me into when Elon Musk first got a, a computer when he was a teenager. This is this goes to show you how bright Elon Musk was from the beginning. Was that what would normally take a coder to learn six months? Elon, as a teenager, after three sleepless nights, learned everything to code a computer because at the time, it wasn't the same as now. You can go on the internet, you can click this, that. You'd have to code a computer and tell it what to do uh, in order to get an action on the computer. So now let's jump into his high school. So classmates were saying on in the book that I read that he wasn't this crazy smart person. There was top five like smartest people at the school and he wasn't on that list. He didn't have leadership positions. He wasn't really, you know, that type of person or well known on, at, at school. But he aced all classes within math, physics, but he did terrible in other classes. So he wasn't sought out as the brightest person just because he didn't try in other uh, classes that he didn't care about. And he said the reason he didn't do better than others was the lack of interest prescribed by the school. And then Elon's insight from high school till now was that his thinking process, which I really want you to listen in on this, was what grades do I need to get to where I want to go? And that was physics, math, and he was acing all of those that he wanted to do. So... Now let's transition into college. So he went to Canada to try to find his uncle, but he's never met his uncle and he never communicated that he was coming with his uncle. Once he landed, his mom called him, told him, hey, your uncle's now in the States in Minnesota. The problem is Elon's not a US citizen. So he had to find a way out really quick and his plan to come to the United States eventually uh, really was burned up right in front of his eye right when he landed. So he's kind of put into a, a storm right when he got there. So he went to the employment office and he got a job as a boiler uh, room shoveler and he made 18 an hour and for those of the that don't know what a boiler um, a uh, 
boil room employee is. It's basically shoveling coal into fire and it's very bad. You can only stay in there for 30 minutes or you'll have heat exhaustion and people literally die from it. So it was a very harsh job that he got, but 18 an hour to really meet his needs that he did. Uh, so he did that for a while, eventually quit and got into Queens University, which is in Canada and Kingston in 1989. And then Outside of his studies, he started cold calling a bunch of people he would like to meet. CEOs, you know, it wasn't the well-known, like crazy CEOs, but he, him and his brother went far lengths just to get interviews or like talk to people to get a better insight in business. And it was that hustle and that grind mentality he had at a young age that set him off to do what he is doing today. And, and how he's different from so many others. He was cold calling, cold calling. He once traveled like three hours on a train, uh, had to move, pull some crazy legs in order to get to uh, this meeting to talk to this one person that ended up really helping them and in, in humbling them and making them learn and network. They were networking in college and that's really what helps Elon along this whole process of his master plan, which I'll get into in a second later. So. Then it all changed in college because he was a genius. He was known as this genius because people didn't really know him as that in high school. So he had this different uh, slate and a lot of people thought him as a genius. And then he eventually transferred to Penn State where he grew exponentially with his physics friends, which brings us to the famous quote, you are who you hang around. And that's what Elon really set into play and he networked and he got in a really good friend group that push each other to get better grades, to learn things, to start businesses and everything like that. And one of his friends, Rezzy, uh, they got a business together and where they lived at, they'd made, they made it into a nightclub. Rezzy would do like the setup, they would do the pre-planning of the party marketing, but then Elon would work into the business, handling the cash, knowing what to do with it, the ideas and opportunities that he'd come up with. And he did that for the majority of his time at Penn State. And he made a bunch of money, he was able to pay rent in one night at a, of the nightclub and was able to make money and learn a lot of business within starting this nightclub, which again, not a, not a whole lot of people know about that. And on a side note, transferring to like kind of what he loved and thought he was going to do was he loved video games. And there was like one time he literally didn't go to sleep for five days and just binge played a video game. And his friend was like, literally, you have to get off. This is terrible for you. So he eventually got off and then he thought about it and he was like, I think I want to make video games. But then he put his master plan and vision into it, which was he knew he would have a bigger, bigger impact on society elsewhere. So then he had this kind of existential crisis plan, this crisis that happened, like what is life, this whole thing. I think a lot of people go through that, that um, in just today, a lot of, we, we think about life and like we kind of have those anxiety attacks or whatever it may be. What am I doing? Where am I going to be? So Elon, instead of, you know, doubting and have being more anxious, he put a master plan all into it. And this master plan unfolded to be what is now known as SpaceX and Tesla. But we're now getting into that whole process of how that happened because it's like he just came out of nowhere. Was he silver spoon fed and just got a bunch of money? No, quite opposite. Uh, actually, the exact opposite. He was uh, a hustler and a lot of the stuff that he got was from himself. But uh, not to mention, there's a, a bunch of people in the background, you know, people that work at Tesla and stuff that like obviously are a major help in what he does. So. At the beginning, after he made this master plan in college and knew what he wanted to do, he said it isn't. He wasn't in it for the money from the get-go, and that was what was able to uh, establish his presence and him to work so hard. Because um, if you don't have a why, you're more likely to fail. Yes, of course you can. You can still be successful if you're just going after money, but then you work. You work for money, and it's like 
you never work a day in your life, uh, what I've always been told, and I reestablish a lot on the podcast. And this is really what Elon went after. He enjoyed technology, uh, the progressing of society to increase the standard of living, but not too high because as he said in the full send podcast you don't want like super 150 year olds because like they can't really do a whole lot and like uh you know it's just time to keep on progressing as a society type of ordeal but what happened after college so let, now let's jump into after college he founded a company called zip2 which is basically a searchable business directory so think about the yellow pages basically but online and he did it with maps so and it would also help with advertising for businesses and he really saw an opportunity but in the midst of all of this people were doubting him throwing negativity his way because it was the beginning of the internet no one really trusted it it was completely different than it is what it is today it's like when credit cards and stuff like that started coming around people didn't really trust it. They trust cash. Same thing with the internet. They didn't trust it. And Elon saw an opportunity that this is going to be the progressing of uh, society, a huge progressing. And so he went after it and made Zip2. And uh, him and his brother got a little office space and they worked and slept at, th at that office space, him and his brother, which was 20 feet by 30 feet. It was literally a small box and they would shower at the YMCA. Talk about a grind. Like he literally worked his butt off and it was said in the book that he would like literally pass out on the bean bag and then his brother would wake him up and he'd go right back to work. Uh, now, I don't agree with all those practices because, you know, there's a very small amount of people can work productively longer than eight hours. Uh, Elon Musk being one of them. Uh, so it's not the best practice for us as um, a whole of an average uh, to do this type of working, 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 working because we do need breaks and for our brain to process and just chill out so we can get back into it and become more productive more productive than just to, um, you know, be try to be productive the entire day and not take any breaks because in that point you will be way less productive than you are to take uh, 10 minute breaks after every uh, hour and a half, two hours. So anyways, he found Zip2 with that, you got to work a little workspace, but then he started going door to door sales. He started really hustling and he started going after it. And all like I said, people just were doubting him this entire time, but he just kept on going after it and going after it and going after it. And when asked what was his mentality, he said, I'd rather commit Sudoku, I probably mispronounced that, than fail, which is basically when a samurai stabs himself in the stomach. He wasn't literally meaning that, but he said he's going to work super hard uh, and which inevitably he's like, I can't see fail as an option. Like it's only to grind harder if, if if those negativity comments and stuff just were feeling him to push him to go harder and then he hired a guy named greg which is an older guy which helped elon with a lot of this leadership that he didn't have in high school or college so greg was this older wise guy that would really help him like directing employees and um productivity of working business a lot of uh what greg showed elon is what made elon elon today so and then they sold Zip2 for $307 million. Now, Elon didn't have the most equity. He had to fund and build a lot of capital in the background. So he only ended up getting 22 million of that. And he only took like 4 million, which was technically 6 million out of that, which was taxed. So he got 4 million of it. And he bought like a McLaren, which he ended up crashing like the next week, which was a million dollars, poof, gone. Then he just had $3 million to personal self. But then he started getting like into race cars. But 
really invested into the networking to like really talk to those billionaires and multi-millionaires to really connect to people because he saw this opportunity now that he had a lot of money from Zip2 that he could transfer it over to really kind of meet new people that could be a co-founder or help him with making the next business and what have you. So that was his thinking of pulling it out and making it personal. He really invested in his network and trying to progress his network and his knowledge and everything like that. And then he took the rest of it and invested it in the company x.com which he co-founded but is now known as paypal ain't that something not everyone knows that elon was a part of paypal the paypal project so there was a lot of ups and downs i'm not going to get super into that paypal uh period but he ended up getting a kicked off executive board it, it paypal ended up going down a lot and the ceo wasn't driving the next place he was invited back invited as ceo um and then he took it and he ended up doing like uh, crazy marketing, which was $20 when you make an account, $10 when you refer a friend. So like that type of marketing was like a lot of Elon uh, and like actually Mark Cuban uh, was a part of PayPal as well. But um, a lot of that marketing ideas that we see today, like sign up on this investment app and get blah, 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 or get a free stock. A lot of that came from Elon. And there was people that did it beforehand, obviously, but he widespread that with uh, PayPal and that marketing tactic that he did and other people, it wasn't just Elon. So then eBay would come with an offer and after listening to his mentors and advice of others, he ended up rejecting that offer and then PayPal ended up coming back eventually and offering them $1.5 billion for PayPal. Inevitably, Elon took it, well, as the board took it as a whole because it was a public company and sold it. So Elon, again, didn't own all of PayPal. He owned a, a, a percent of PayPal and he ended up getting a hundred and million from that actual deal. So what did he do with that hundred million? Because in the background he was he was making SpaceX, te co-founding Tesla, SolarCity. So there was a bunch of stuff he was already divulged in and it was like, what do I wanna, he, he actually had this problem because they both weren't doing well, uh, Tesla and uh, SpaceX. So he had an option to invest $100 million into all of them or, or into uh, to split it up or to just invest in one of them and then inevitably the one just dying out uh, inevitably. And what he ended up doing, which is <laughs> very smart as we know of now because they are the companies are what they are, uh, as we see today, is with that $100 million, he didn't take a dime of it. He kept that when he got from Zip2, and he really is a moderate living type of guy. He doesn't have mansions or anything like that. Sure, here and there, he drives his own Tesla. He doesn't have crazy a bunch of crazy cars. He doesn't have a huge house for the most part. He has like one in LA, but that's about it for how much money he, uh, being one of the richest men in the United States. But breaking it down, $100 million, didn't spend a dime on himself with that for the most part. He invested $100 million into SpaceX, which he's the CEO and founder of, and then he put $70 million into Tesla, which he's a co-founder of, and then put $10 million into SolarCity, which ended up being bought recently by Tesla, so now it's like they're uh, together and it's like Tesla Solar. Um, so SolarCity used, is now Tesla Solar uh, that we see on their website. And then he also in the background was uh, creating the Boring Company, which is that tunneling infrastructure, which is under Las Vegas, and it's actually currently working. There's only Teslas that go through it and makes it way quicker. Uh, and really on the infrastructure side, the, the drill they use to make those tunnels is literally insane. And 
it's very expensive, but to compare it to what other methods are to do exactly what he's doing is a fraction of the cost, which is insane. So like he's he's in so many other things that not a lot of people know of. Like the boring company were like, oh, he made the flamethrower. Okay, cool, funny. No, he made like the hyperloop with that. And don't get me wrong, Elon, we only have 24 hours in a day, right? He's not like uh, running every single one of these companies like crazy. Um, you know, there's people he's paid and he's invested in these types of companies in the background. It's impossible for him to be invested completely into every single one of these companies. He has to diversify where his time is spent, which is mostly between Tesla and SpaceX now. And then, so the boring company does the Hyperloop, infrastructure, real estate, and freight shipping, but we, everyone inevitably knows it as the flamethrower, as funny as it is. And also Starlink, so he's been working on that as well. So it's Wi-Fi for rural areas, and Simpler Living LLC, what I'm uh, coming up with, actually uses Starlink because it's in a rural area in the Tennessee mountains. I don't get as much as a service. And he's soon to have 4,000 satellites, which is more than the world combined that are working. So like military, Verizon, ADT, um, you know, all these cell phone companies, T-Mobile, all those combined, the entire world, Elon is having, has more satellites than the rest combined per the Full Send podcast when he was talking about it. Uh, and they're about to have 4,000 satellites up there. That's how insane that internet's gonna be. And he's like charging not that as of an expensive rate compared to some like Verizon and you know, or Xfinity or some of these other places that don't even get the best downloading speed. Like how am I still loading content in my, in my house when I pay for the best for Spectrum or something? It's like, what? And now he's gonna completely change the game, but the wait list is super long. It's currently up on uh, starlink.com if you wanna check it out. And he said that the, the list is super, super, super endlessly long, but that's in high dense population areas. So LA, Chicago, you know, those types of places, New York, uh, it's very hard to get the service of Starlink because it's highly dense populated area. But now uh, he's more or less, um, he said it's pretty easy to get it in rural areas because it's not as populated, uh, population dense. And then, so, also did the open AI, I'm not gonna get too much into that, and the Neuralink, which is helping with disabilities. Uh, and people are thinking, oh, it's gonna control the brain. No, he's really focused on helping people with disabilities or like uh, people that can't move certain parts of their bodies or paralyzed to reprogram the brain to say, hey, this works, and then re-neutralize like the um, neurons and stuff like that to really help the body function uh, better than what it is right now. Uh, which is very interesting that he's going after that as well. Uh, so within this past year uh, from that, because a lot of that was summarizing basically what I said in my last podcast episode, but in a way shorter time, quite literally a, a like half the time. Uh, and then, so this past year, so he's been really focusing on the Gigafactory, which is manufacturing the Teslas. And he said it's harder to manufacture than to prototype by like a hundred times. Manufacturing is so hard because once you get into the systems of processes, if one machine goes down, you aren't having like this machine to pick up the hood and place it down or something, then this whole line is clogged up and it's not working because it has a whole system of process. He said the Gigafactory is like, you have no idea how hard it is. And he, he asked like when asked on the Full Send podcast episode or podcast, do you see any competition with, you know, uh, I think it's called Lucid uh, is one of the companies. And then 
you know, like Ford, some other companies with electric that are coming to market. He said, there's no competition. He said, I'm not trying to be cocky, but <laughs> they don't even have the site. Like he said, the ending of Tesla will not be from competition. It will be from manufacturing problems or something like that. Um, or or inevitably when they go too cheap on something and then it just has a bunch of recalls. Uh, he said that's the scary part about building that, he said, trying to build these electric vehicles at a more affordable price is the toughest thing to do in the sense because like they're more likely to break than if you're spending a lot more quality parts on it. Um, and he said he feels bad because there's a huge weight and because of uh, inflation, they're going for a higher price and he's like, uh, I feel guilty about that, but um, you know he's he knows what he brings to the table, and he's like trying to do the best he can within the means of business and making a profitable dollar. Uh, so yeah, the Gigafactory, and what's funny is he actually lives majority in Texas and Colorado, uh, and I had um, and he lives in a tiny house, and his guest house is a boxable, which you might have heard uh, or seen on some newsletters. But he lives very close to his house where he could just walk if he wanted to to the Gigafactory. Um, but ends up driving, obviously. Uh, but he said it's very close to the factory, which is what he really needed. So that all uh, really is interesting that he, he lives this really low lifestyle, even though, like, he said it's like a three-bedroom house. It's one story. He said, I renovated it and stuff. But, like, he said it's nothing crazy or over the top. He said, yeah, I have a big house in, like, L.A. and stuff, but, like, I'm majority of the time in Texas. But he's flying back and forth to the Tesla uh, area in uh, California and then SpaceX and Texas. So a bunch of – he's back and forth everywhere, but he most of the time lives in his little house and near the Gigafactory in Colorado. Uh, and then um, another side note, which I believe I already talked about the Gigafactory, but reestablishing it, side notes is that Elon's always going to push harder, and that's something that we can really take. How much do you want it? And uh, you've got to really have passion in order to drive that home uh, from what I've gained from him. And so what I said at the beginning of the podcast episode, best things to do with your brain, Elon answered, put a Y on it you will remember it way more often. Your neurons, your brains, your hippocampus, which is basically your hard drive of your brain, is always forgetting information to gain better information. Uh, and the, if you don't have a why on it, then it will inevitably forget some information. So you have to put a why. Why should I remember this? Why should I remember that? Once you have that why connected to that knowledge, it's way easier to remember. And he said that's a really amazing hack that he's found out. So. Um, I think that's one of the best thing, key takeaways you take from this podcast. And then another thing, just real quick, uh, away from his story is when he asked, uh, do you think we're overproducing? Do you think we're going to have enough land? He said it's actually the opposite. Uh, we don't have enough people producing as many people as we need for a sustainable economy, all this uh, for uh, productivity, all this different stuff. And another podcast episode that I'm going to do pretty soon is uh, Factfulness, 10 Reasons Why the World Isn't As Bad As It Seems. And come to find out that you can put everyone in San Francisco shoulder to shoulder that lives in the United States. Although that's not feasible, we can do it. So it goes to show you how much land we have and also back to the factor of how much uh, consumption us humans have wanted, not needed. The, the energy consumption since 1950 has tenfolded electricity use. We didn't need it. It was a want. Um, and then like, you know, just a bunch of other things from then. And obviously there's economical feasible reasons behind this and progressing the standard of living and all this different stuff. But at the end of the day, it's our wants are getting more and more and more. And that's not always the answer to everything. So um, 
just remember that, and especially like uh, like freaking out. Oh, we're going to be overproducing. We're going to be overpopulated. And it's like, no. Even China has been cutting back on people that they have, and not even lawfully. Like the the law that they have, like two kids, one parent, or whatever it is. Um, it, we've been seeing a lot of under, and it's because of like there's a lot of things in the child support or uh, their child children are expensive, whatever it may be in the background. There's a lot of um, factors why people are having kids, but we're seeing a huge steadily decrease compared to uh, a while ago uh, when people used to have six, seven kids on average way back in the day. That's crazy that sound. And he also said about the recession that we're probably going to have a moderate recession. Uh, it's not going to be this huge recession that people are getting scared of. And I know I went back on my what I said last time with what in the fl- inflation is going on. I'm like, you didn't know we're on a recession. And I was like, I thought about it. I'm like, are we really in a recession? Because after like reading some articles, it was like, I don't know if we, it, it's very confusing, but by definition, by the base definition, we've had two decreasing GDP quarters. So technically, by definition, it meets, but it's it's hard to say that because we had 450,000 uh, jobs open, I believe, in the month of July. So it like doesn't make sense, but it does make sense. There's a lot of factors in the background that uh, is really going to take someone smarter than me in economics to really understand to break that down but um and i'm not breaking the credibility of the last podcast episode because it was there and that information was valid and credible but what's to state the fact that uh we are going to be in a recession but it's not going to be as bad as people may think uh and it's a little bit confusing very confusing with all these independent factors in the background but uh, and another little fun fact before we head out is that Elon Musk is actually noct- he's like, I'm nocturnal. I, s- I go to bed by 3 a.m. and then I wake up around 9 to 9.30 a.m. And that's how I start my day. And he normally has a cup of coffee. So that is food for thought. Uh, that was about Elon. I hope you guys enjoyed this podcast episode. I'll be working on intro and outro. So you guys will be seeing that soon. There'll be a video posted as well. Although I guess I'm starting to double think maybe i won't because there's a lot of looking at my notes and stuff so uh, we'll see if people want to see the video or not and probably just save it for clips uh for uh social media but yeah i hope you guys have a great rest of your day and keep on remembering you woke up this morning you should be grateful for at least one thing i will see you guys on the next podcast episode